Thank you for joining us today for the Conformed to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I'm here with George Mays for a Text Driven Tuesday. I thought I was here with the Big Lebowski. Yeah. Maybe you are. <laughs> the dude abides. Yep. It is a uh, Text Driven Tuesday, so you want to grab your Bible, go to Hebrews. We're in Hebrews <coughs> chapter 13, finishing up the book. Four more episodes in Hebrews, and then that will be it. Mm-hmm. So, how are you going to squeeze three more out of here, George? <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be real easy. It is. Oh yeah. <laughs> you were just telling me earlier that you're I looking don't, forward I, to preaching I, the next sermon yeah, so much. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I, I, just because it's going to be a little, uh, it's. I mean, it's obey your leaders meaning your pastors. Huh. So it's always a little awkward to say, obey your pastors. I'm talking about me. Are you going to walk down <laughs> through the aisle and tell people this guy's not worth two cents? I told our community group uh, that I'm going to need some people to carry me on a down the, the center aisle and call me Big Daddy George. <laughs> Are you going to point at this and be like, I wouldn't marry this guy. <laughs> Look at this guy. I wouldn't marry him. He's not worth two cents. We're going to have to show that clip on here sometime because we reference it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> People have no idea what we're talking we'll about. We'll have to save it for it's next a pretty time. Old, it's a pretty old one. We'll have to it's save it for next video. time. It happened. It was in Oklahoma. It was. Uh, yeah. It was in Skyatook, I believe. Okay. Yeah. First Baptist Church or uh, Independent Baptist? So. <laughs> it was the First Baptist I think Church. It was first Baptist. Yeah. yeah. That's been a while, though. Yeah. Uh, the 17 through 19. Uh, I, that I mean, that'd be a sermon twenty and twenty one. Uh, it's it's the it's the final greetings that I'm trying to trying to figure out exactly what I want to do with that right twenty two through twenty five. But I I know that I knew as I was looking through it that I didn't want to tag it on to twenty and twenty one because those two verses are just so good that I didn't want to try to. Push those last few verses yeah. onto it. So, so today we are <clears throat> picking up really where you said they kind of go together, mm-hmm. verses seven through sixteen. Yeah, <clears throat> couldn't do them all. So today, <laughs> I mean, I guess I could have. Yeah, you, yeah, I guess. I had to go a little faster. Mm-hmm. So last time it was <clears throat> that to remember our theology, and you gave specific reasons on how to do that seven through nine, ten through sixteen. You said reads like an apologetic, really, for the Christian faith, and mm-hmm. we'll see that. Uh, and you have three <coughs> three reasons why you can endure the shame of being a Christian. Right. So that's where you want to go in your Bible, and that's what we're going to look at today. But before we do that, I've got a video for you, Jay. Mm. I've got a video. Uh, have you ever heard of uh, Gene Kim, Dr. Gene Kim? Is he the guy who uh, says if you preach expositional sermons, it might be because you're lazy? I don't, I don't, I don't think he's the one that said that. Okay, uh, this guy's like king dispensational. Okay, um, he always he always teaches with like a whiteboard behind him. Uh, he rails against Calvinism. If you ever listen to James White's, um, uh, what is it? Not the dividing line, but. Uh, why am I blanking on uh, Geneva? The, something. Uh, everyone's going to radio be like, free Geneva. Yeah. Yes. Radio free Geneva. 
everybody's screaming at me. Um, uh, he's one of the. Uh, they do the intro and they have a bunch. They like play a bunch of clips of uh. like these anti-Calvinist guys. He he's on there. Okay. Um, but uh, I found this. I found this on Bad Preacher Clips last <laughs> week, <laughs> and I just thought it was so funny uh, because it's about Hebrews. Ah. And uh, so the when I say he's king dispensational. I mean that he is all in with dispensationalism where he divides the people of God. So there's Israel and there's the church. So you're talking about old school dispensational? And, yeah, I'm, I'm talking like they're not the same. Um, even the even salvation is different for them. Yeah, uh, and he's talking about uh, he's talking about Hebrews huh. in this clip, and uh, I thought. What a better time to watch this than here, as we're making heavy application from the book of Hebrews. Why not? And uh, he will even say that uh, a lot of Hebrews doesn't apply to Christians. So, George, if, if only I would have known that. If only I would have known that a couple of years ago, I could have saved myself a lot, of, a lot of trouble. Well, yeah, yeah. I could have just skipped over the hard parts. Your and problem. Been like, this isn't for the church. This is for the Jews. Your problem is you can't rightly divide the word. That's right. That's what they say, right? right. And by that, they don't mean they don't mean like how, how we would mean. They mean you have to divide up the Bible into what applies to Christians yes. and what applies to Jews. Yes. yes. So whole portions of the Gospels, uh -huh. they would say, don't even apply to Gentiles. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. That's not for. Uh, and it's not just for Jews. It's for tribulation Jews. That's what. That's what they. Ah. Uh, that's what they mean. Is that well, the Sermon on the Mount is not Can for the church. Them? It's for the. It's for Jews in the millennium. And uh, so that's 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 kind of the background you need to know as you listen to this uh, this clip from Dr. Gene Kim talking about the Book of Hebrews. Can it, would Hebrews be just crumbs for us then? Sounds that way. Crumbs for for the dogs. <laughs> yes. Ah. All right, you want to watch this I'm, thing? I'm ready. All right, turn and turn up the volume so you can hear him. All right, let's uh, let's give this a listen. Uh oh, uh oh, Jay. I got it cranked up, George. I got it cranked all the way. Uh oh, are we plugged in? I'm plugged in. I got it cranked all the way up, my friend. Oh, it's your computer. We've never tried to do it from your computer. Before. Yeah, we've done it from my computer before. Really? Oh yeah. Let's go. Let's see. Nothing. Oh, this is disappointing. Yeah, it is. We've definitely done it from my computer before. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe you can email it to me. I can play it from mine. You think that'll work? I don't know if it'll work. It's worth a, ch worth a shot. It probably won't work because I've never connected this. Well, I don't know what's going on, man. <clears throat> I don't either. Can you tell us what's in the video? It's not the same. Here, I'll uh, I'll send it to you, and you can we can try, but I don't know. Where Let's do you want me to I send can... it? You want uh, me to send it on Twitter? You want me to send it on uh, Facebook? I don't know. Here, let me uh, let me try to. This is what people tune in for, Jay. They tune in for the technical difficulties. It sure is. <laughs> well, how's everyone doing out there? <laughs> this is what you were talking about with the uh, we don't edit. Is that is that right, Jay? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. We definitely have played stuff off of my computer before. Yeah. I uh I I should have uh should have brought my my iPad. But all right, let's see if I can discover this. I, I got to make it a uh, discoverable. Yeah. Um, and I have to find some way to send it to you. Just so. uh, text it to me or send it on uh, Twitter. Can you do that? Yeah. Uh, anyway, as we're trying to figure this out. All right, I think I am uh, maybe connected now. I'm paired, so you get it over here, and we'll see if we can put it up. We can send it to me. People aren't even going to care about this once we actually show it. They're going to be like, we waited all that time for this. <laughs> for this? What's it coming to me on Twitter? It is. Okay. So what we get oh, do not, you mean X? Uh, oh, X, yes. Sorry. It still says Twitter.com. It does. It may be called X, but Twitter.com. And, no, they're, still, and they're still tweets. They're still tweets? They're still tweets. Yep. I think I got it. Let's see. I think so. The Book of Hebrews. There it is. We don't know who the author is, but the best prospect is the Apostle Paul. We believe it's the Apostle Paul who's writing the book of Hebrews during a time before he was given revelation about Christian doctrine, which we call the body of Christ, the revelation about the body of Christ. So he is still being introduced to this. He is new. All Paul knows <laughs> is Jewish doctrine related to the tribulation, okay? Jewish doctrine related to end times. So the book of Hebrews, you're going to have to keep in mind, what it's about is mostly about Hebrews, the Jews. So it's written to Jews, and there's a lot of tribulation doctrine here. So there's going to be verses here that do not apply to Christians. That's important to understand. They're going to pull up verses where you can lose your salvation, where you have to endure to the end, you have to do faith and works. Hmm. That is not Christian doctrine. Remember that. We do not believe in that. There are Christian churches who try to tell you that the book of Hebrews is applied to you in losing salvation, in doing works for salvation. Ignore that. They are wrong. That's heresy. Right. Majority of wrong. I hope you're listening, okay? So that way you can not get lost. There's... The majority of wrong doctrine that you hear in churches will be from this book of Hebrews, okay? Hebrews is one of those books. There's also Acts, and then there's also the book of Matthew. But anyway, <laughs> Hebrews is one of the number one books that they'll use. So there's a lot of heresies. So remember, this is end-time Jews. But because Paul is being introduced Christian doctrine, Paul mingled Christian doctrine here. All right? He doesn't yet know the distinction of Jew and Christian church yet. That's very possible, which is why he's writing about Christian doctrine here, and he's assuming that's for tribulation Jews. <laughs> okay. Why'd you even preach this book, George? <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. 
doesn't even apply to us. There's stuff that doesn't the even a, there's stuff that doesn't even apply to us. Yeah. Now he, uh, I'm assuming that in the rest of that talk, he's going to uh, he's going to tell us how we can know what yeah. applies to us and what doesn't apply to us. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't get that far. So, yeah. Book of Hebrews, it's a mixture. It's uh, <laughs> it's mainly for for Jews in the tribulation. So not even Jews now. It's, it's Jews sometime in the future after the rapture. Mm. So um, pretty wild, huh? Like, when when did uh, like that? You know, <sighs> when did Darby come up with this stuff? It's like eighteen, it's eighteen hundreds, right? John Nelson Darby, yeah, eighteen hundreds, yeah. So uh, f- I I know that America is older than than dispensationalism. Yeah, That's <laughs> but it found fertile soil it in did. America, uh-huh. didn't it? Yeah, uh, John Nelson Darby came up with it. Uh, he's Plymouth Brethren. Uh-huh. Sometime in the 1800s, yeah. and then Schofield got a hold of it and made his study Bible. Yeah, and then people like uh, Moody. Yeah, his version that, that we just played though is even rare today among dispensationalists. It is. There's not. Yeah, you won't. You won't hear a lot of people. They've really kind of merged closer and closer to. Covenant yes. theology. They call it progressive dispensationalism mm-hmm. today. Right. Old school dispensationalism like that. Yeah. It's an interesting, strange, it's an, anom- an anomaly, really, in mm-hmm. church history. Can you even find anyone in church history before the 1800s that would say that? Marcion? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Wow. <clears throat> Maybe the Gnostics. Yeah. Strange. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Maybe, but they'd certainly be outliers. They and they'd certainly have a bunch of heresies to go along with that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So you don't take that that position. Wild stuff. Yeah. Like 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 faith and works. Like you don't need don't need works. I guess James is for tribulation Jews also. Right. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Persevere hmm. to the end? That's not Christian doctrine, Jay. Yeah. Strange. Yeah. Strange stuff, man. <laughs> but we live we live in a time where I'm sure he's got more YouTube views than we do. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's just you can be exposed to all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. online, and yeah. you gotta be discerning. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> gotta be discerning. Mm. Well, shall we jump into here, George? <coughs> into our text today. I think that would probably be good. All right, let's have you read it then. I'll th- we'll throw it up on the screen. Okay. And you're gonna start in verse. We're gonna start reading. I don't know. Where do you want me to start reading? It's up to you, my friend. Oh, we can just start in verse ten. Okay. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, 
that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Mm. All right. Now that we've established that none of us have to share anything. Yeah, that's for tribulation, Jews. Let's don't, uh, don't, let's don't, jump in. Don't worry about that, Jay. Really, it, it, I would imagine that all of this would be for uh, tribulation Jews and not for not for Christians. Mm. So. Well, good thing you can uh, preach that sermon you're worried about preaching next week about obeying your leaders, and you can caveat it with, this doesn't apply this to doesn't any apply of you. This doesn't apply to you, yeah. <laughs> Problem solved, George. Yeah. Problem <clears throat> solved. I imagine there's a lot of churches out there that don't need to be told that, Jay. Yeah. They just don't do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of people today. Well, we can jump into it next week. They would they would switch it up, and it would be, right. it'd be more like obey your therapist, mm. right? Yeah. There's a little little zinger for you. Hmm. Yep. George, you know if you don't go to a therapist, you're not even qualified to be a pastor. I learned that online. Who said that? Uh, uh that bald guy on on X. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> what was his name? He has a, he has a, isn't it James White? Is it? Isn't it? I don't know. Isn't, isn't, isn't uh, he has, he has a name of, of someone else that's, that's good, isn't, doesn't he? I don't know. I've got a therapist. You go to a therapist? I do. Her name's Angie Jones. <laughs> that's my therapist. It's my wife. <clears throat> and maybe my dog too. You know, a dog is a wonderful thing. Do do wonders for you, George. Hmm? Yeah. What are we doing here, Jay? Are you a cat? <laughs> are you a cat? Are you? What are we? <laughs> the, the, the long the long pause makes me think you don't agree. You might be a cat person. I'm just trying to find this guy now. Oh, the bald guy? Yeah. I was telling you about. Yeah, I can't remember his name. I can't either. I don't know. He's got a, a lot of issues, let's say. Yeah, I, I can't remember. I can't remember his name. He has doctor in front of his name. I know that. Anyway, if I find it, I'll uh, I'll let you know. But I, I don't remember. Okay, well, let's jump in. We'll find this guy, because next time we'll have to talk about it, because um, you're going to be preaching a whole sermon on that text, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll have to have to deal with what... Uh, I, should I just like just say it? I, I, I'm convinced that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. I think you've said so it. I can just, you've said so, it I can, so I can just start saying it. You can if you want. You know, when, when I was uh, just getting started out in, uh, before I even went to seminaries, I was teaching through Hebrews. Um, I was a Sunday school teacher, and I had made the comment that Paul, I thought Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, and this guy was so offended by it that I had made that claim. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he quit Sunday school, my Sunday school class. <laughs> Oh, he did. Why? He quit Sunday school over. That's a wild thing. I mean, I, I, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised by the things that people will quit 
yeah. <laughs> come in the church for. <laughs> yeah, he did. I, I don't know. Wow. I was like, that's, a, that's an interesting thing. That's to so get offensive, up. Jay. Yeah, it it's is. so offensive. That you would say yeah. the, the Apostle Paul wrote this great book. Yeah. <laughs> I, so maybe we'll lose some listeners over you saying it. Yeah. All, all right. We probably lost them over that uh, <laughs> trying to get that video to play. You may, we may have. So we're going three reasons why you can endure the shame of being a Christian. You started the sermon out um, with a personal story of a letter letter that you keep in your office. You keep keep certain things in your office. You know they've got sentimental value. One of them might be a surprise for people. You kept this nice note that you got from a church member. Yep. Want to share it with us? If you she like, pretty much you said like you're the greatest thing that she's ever seen behind a pulpit. Yeah. And I was then, trying to give people ideas for notes that they could write me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can read it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, this is, I've got that, that glass cover on my desk, so I've, I've got stuff under it. Uh-huh. Uh, and this is one of them. I, she wrote me this note. What, uh, seven years ago? Stuck it underneath the, the cover. Uh, she wrote, Pastor George, words can never express how pleased I am that our Lord sent you and your family to our church. I know that I'm not the only one, as many of us feel the same way. As long as I have been in the word, I have learned more in my old age from my God that he has given you to me. Uh, I love the way you tell the stories. I've heard others feel the same way as I do. So many feel blessed having you and your family with us. Many of us say we wish others would come and hear what God has to say to them. I know you have heard that your messages are long. I and others have said that we don't care how long they are as we love hearing the message God has given you. Keep preaching those sermons as there are many that want more. Thank you so much for doing what God wants you to do. Just know that I love each of you so very much. Pretty encouraging note. Yeah. You got to be careful of those notes, though, George. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. The, you know, um, I think Spurgeon's got a great quote. He says something like somebody told him before, uh, like when he when he got done preaching, like, that's the best sermon I ever heard. You're, you're like the most great preacher ever. And he said, that's nice. The devil told me that before I stepped out of the pulpit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you got to be yeah. careful, George. Yeah, that's right. Who's <laughs> that's, that's what messenger? What messenger that's is this? That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And then what happened? She was a oh, great church I member, mean, and uh, yeah, she uh, she she used to she used to buy me like when the Girl Scouts were selling their cookies, she'd buy me like like whole like cartons of Girl Scout cookies. Yeah. Um, uh, buy my kids gifts and just always was talking about how great mm-hmm. it was that that me and my family were here and I don't know maybe six months later she was at another church and bashing me on Facebook she's she was lobbying for a church position huh <laughs> head of a children's <laughs> department maybe didn't work out no no and she uh she turned on you yeah yeah yeah, she did. <clears throat> Started comparing me to Joel Osteen on That's on That's what I want to know about. Can you please elaborate <laughs> on that? I know other people wanted you to elaborate on how 
you are like Joel Osteen. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think that because she, um, she didn't like Joel Osteen either. Like she recognized him as a as a charlatan, um, and I guess that he was just the closest. Yeah, the closest name. She just pulled a name out of a hat. You came to like, old oh, Northwest. You came here to get rich. You came to Northwest to get rich, right? That's right. And just tell people that um, God just wants you to be highly favored. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Well, you've made a real preaching sense. switch, George, since then. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a re- great reformation that's happened for you. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, you, not the, I'm not the same preacher that I used to be. Well, you brought this story up. You know, uh, the connection here is that you keep it to remind, your, to remind you that you're going to come under persecution at times <clears throat> in your life. Yeah. Right. It's going to happen. So we've we've got to endure and that's what our text is about today you're giving us three reasons why you can endure the shame of being a christian because mm-hmm. that's tough right yeah like like you're a you're a, you're a regular person you're i mean you're human maybe people forget that about pastors and get your feelings hurt people the things people do when they leave how they leave the things they say they can they can really they can really uh impact you mm-hmm. in a real negative way Right. And so that's tough. Um, and everybody kind of faces that in life if they're a Christian at some time or, or another. You're gonna get you're gonna get left out of things, you know, you're gonna be the weird one that everybody, you know, you're at lunch with everybody, they're having a great time and they're just living their life and saying the things they say, talking about the things they say, and they know you're the weird one. It's obvious, right? So then maybe they stop inviting you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you speak out at school. You're seen as maybe you're seen as like a Bible thumper, uh-huh. right? You're you are a, you're like a radical. Mm. You're a radical just for holding like the historic Christian faith, <laughs> right? Two thousand year old mm-hmm. Christian faith. Yeah, just the basics, mm-hmm. even just the basics of the exclusivity of Christ. That could even mm-hmm. cause that. Yep. In today's world. Right. Yep. So, <clears throat> I mean, I, you can see this is on a, a whole host of things. We're talking like anything from like maybe, maybe you uh, in your friend group, if you're a woman and everybody's doing yoga, even like the Christian spin on yoga, you've seen that <laughs> stuff. And you're like, nah, man. Now you've stepped. I'm in not. It, Jay. I'm now not. You've, now you've stepped in it, Jay. Yeah. I didn't. Know, <laughs> I didn't know we were going down this road. This yeah. road this morning. <laughs> I'm not channeling. I'm not. I'm not channeling a demon. Keep your keep your stuff to yourself, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a whole number of things. Yeah. That it could be. Oh yeah. And so you have this first. The first point we have is that Christ Himself bore the shame of the cross. Mm-hmm. So if we're gonna if we're going to be able to endure shame, we have this great example here set before us in our text that Christ himself bore, are, bore the shame of the cross, and the text becomes, um, I don't, 
it, it says it explicitly, but maybe not explicitly if you're not familiar with the, the Old Testament, right? Mm-hmm. It's about Christ himself bearing <clears throat> shame, going outside the city. And so connect all the dots for us, for the listener. Okay. How, in, in our text, <clears throat> is this speaking about Christ enduring shame? Mm-hmm. And then how will, how does that then apply? Yeah. Um, well, I, like I said, it it seems like this these verses take on kind of an apologetic mm-hmm. um, tone, and so you can imagine the uh, the families of these Jewish Christians saying, "Come back, because we've got we've got the temple in Jerusalem, we've got the priests and the animal sacrifices, we've got we've got the altar." And Christianity doesn't have any of these things. Um, and so Paul here, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go I'm just gonna go all You're in. Just going I'm just for gonna it. go all in, Jay. We just lost half our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> They're just gonna stop. They're gonna stop coming. How dare he say that Paul wrote this? Um he he's gonna he's going to take an apologetic stance and he's gonna answer these objections because the the, the church doesn't have the the paraphernalia of like of the religions of the day. I mean, right. you, you go to Jerusalem or you go to a pagan temple, and they've they've all got the same kind of outward stuff. They've mm-hmm. got an official priesthood, and they've got sacrifices on an altar um, to their god. And Christians don't have any of that. They meet in like a house, right? Um, even the the early church father Irenaeus, um, he was writing about some people. In, in his time in the second century, he said, you Christians have no real religion for you have no sacrifices. So the very first thing that he says in verse 10 is we have an altar, but it, it's going to, he's going to flip it on his head because when you think of an altar, you think of like the altar that they have in front of the temple where they offer animal sacrifices and it's, it's, um, it's, it's large mm-hmm. and it's prominent and it's, uh, it's beautiful, and uh, it's it's in this place of honor. Uh, and a lot of a lot of uh, commentators have shed a lot of ink trying to figure out what's the altar. Right. What is this altar? Um, is it a real is, like? Is it a physical altar? Is it uh, is it a heavenly altar? Is it? I think the the uh, the most popular opinion. Um, has been that he's talking about the Lord's Supper. He's talking about the Eucharist. Well, as as you were preaching on this, I thought I think this text is possibly a good apologetic against Roman Catholicism because yeah. if this is the the doctrine, the tradition that has been handed down from Christ to the apostles, and mm-hmm. here would be a perfect place to say, don't worry about that. Because we have an altar, uh-huh. and we re-sacrifice Christ every time we yeah. gather for Mass, mm. and that's our altar. Right. But he doesn't do that. No, no. No, the book of Hebrews is the most uh, anti-Roman Catholic book in the entire Bible, uh. I think. Um, yeah, well, I mean, if you're following the argument of Hebrews, and um, as he's as he's talking about Christ as our priest and as our sacrifice, what was he sacrificed on? It's the cross, right? So when he says we have an altar, I think he's talking about the cross. And what is so what's so amazing about this passage is he says we have an altar from which those who 
um, serve at the tent, the people that worship in Jerusalem, have no right or authority to eat from. Mm -hmm. The cross is this symbol of shame and rejection. It's it's an unclean object. I mean, it's a, it's it's an abomination to the Jews. I mean, this is uh, this is a, a torture device. And here, the apostle is saying that we actually have an altar that's better than the altar that's in Jerusalem, and we we get benefits from this altar that the the people who worship in Jerusalem at the temple can't receive from their altar. Mm-hmm. And this would have been. I mean, it's it's. I think we're just so surrounded by images of the cross that we kind of forget like how shocking that would have been. Um, the To be hung on a tree is to be accursed by God. And here the apostle is saying that this altar, the, the cross, is actually a better altar than the one in front of, of the temple in Jerusalem. And we spiritually feed upon Christ and, and derive benefits from him that are superior to those that the the worshipers in Jerusalem uh, derive from eating food, mm-hmm. eating the food that's that's sacrificed there. Yeah. So he he flips it. He flips it on its head, and he takes this this uh, this object of shame and horror, and he makes it. He elevates it above the uh, the Jerusalem altar, um, and then he shifts to the Day of Atonement. Uh-huh. And so verse twelve. He uh, or verse uh, verse eleven, he says that the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. That's the Day of Atonement. You can go back to Leviticus uh, sixteen and seventeen, and you can read about the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement is when the high priest um, offers a bull and, and a goat, and he takes the blood into the holy of holies behind the curtain. He sprinkles it on the mercy seat above the Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. But whereas the the sacrifices uh, throughout the rest of the year can be eaten once the sacrifice is made. The, the priests eat the food. The, the bodies of the Day of Atonement animal sacrifices are taken outside the, the camp and they're burned in an unclean place. And then he, he makes a connection that he's, he's done throughout uh, the book of Hebrews between the type or the shadow and the antitype or the, the fulfillment. Yeah. Um, and so he says... In the same way that these animals were sacrificed and then taken outside the city and burned, Jesus also suffered outside the gate. And so he's drawing this uh, this typological parallel between the Day of Atonement sacrifice and Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the, he is the fulfillment of the Day of Atonement. And he's, he's already done this in, in Hebrews 9 and 10. He's talked about how Jesus is the once for all time sacrifice. Uh, the high priest has to do the Day of Atonement year after year after year, but Jesus, he entered into the true Holy of Holies, uh, the heavenly Holy of Holies, with his own blood, and he's made a once-for-all sacrifice. But it's not the it's not the um, the the sacrifice that he's really highlighting here in the in these verses. He's already done that in chapters nine and ten. What he's doing here is he's highlighting the location. Uh-huh. The animals that were sacrificed on the Day of Atonement are taken outside the camp and burned. Jesus was sacrificed outside the gate. Right. 
Um, and that's, um, I mean, that's that's where they the Romans crucified people. Uh-huh. They didn't crucify them in the city. They took them outside the city along the roads, and they they took Jesus up on top of a hill. It's a prominent place where people would would see it. Right. right? They didn't crucify people in private. Right. I mean, it was supposed to be a public declaration of what happens when you cross Rome. Uh-huh. Uh, so Jesus was sacrificed. He was killed outside the city of Jerusalem on this hill. Um, and the, the apostle here, he draws this comparison between going outside the camp and having the animal sacrifices burned up and Jesus going outside the gates and being enduring the, the shame of the cross. Um, outside the camp is uh, the place of uncleanness. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you had leprosy, you had to go outside the camp. Um, if you became ceremonially unclean through some sickness or through touching a dead body, you had to go outside the camp. Uh-huh. Interesting enough, in two places in the Old Testament, in Leviticus and Numbers, there's two stories, one about a guy who blasphemes God and one about a guy who breaks the Sabbath. And both of them are taken outside the camp and stoned to death. It's interesting that those were the two charges that were brought against Jesus. Uh. Like you're a blasphemer, you're a Sabbath breaker. Those, right. those seem to be the charges that keep, uh-huh. that keep coming up, um, and those those are the two the two stories that are highlighted in uh, in the books of the law to take them outside the camp and stone them. Um, it, the outside the camp is the place of of shame and uncleanness and death, um, because God is the the tabernacle was in the center of the of the camp. And the Holy of Holies is in the very center. Uh-huh. And then the, 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 the tribes of Israel, they camp around the, the, the tabernacle, and they're holy. The camp is holy. And then outside the camp is unholiness. So it's uncleanness. Yeah. And so Jesus, uh, the Hebrews is saying, he went outside into that, that unclean place, that unholy place, and he endured the, he endured the cross. He goes outside and he endures the shame but what's interesting another another flip whereas the altar is the cross and now this this object of horror has now become this this put in this place of honor jesus goes out into the the unclean place and he sanctifies the people so he goes to the unclean place and he makes his people clean Um, he goes into the the unholy place and he makes his people holy right through um through his own blood right um so as we're thinking about the fact that um the world thinks that christianity is stupid or it's extreme like we're we're extremists now what was it the uh uh what was it uh i sent it to you uh what's her name christine Dumez, is that how you? Yeah. Is that how you? Jesus and John Jesus Wayne. Jesus and John Wayne. Yeah, she was. She tweeted something about the new speaker of the house, and he's he's a professing Christian, right? And he holds to like Christian beliefs, right? And uh, she called him a uh, Christian supremacist. How could this? How could supremacist. this be supremacist? How could she? How could she? How could this be viewed as anything other than Christian supremacist? <clears throat> how can anything? How can anyone who's a Christian not be a Christian supremacist? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a strange. It's a, isn't that a strange thing? Like, 
Yeah, we actually it's, we actually believe there's only one way of salvation. Right, that Christ is supreme. Right. Yeah. Um. It's it's like these um, it's like these leading voices in evangelicalism are going out of their way to try to make Christianity just another religion, and you can't be forcing it on other people. Right. It's really weird. The like the angle. Uh huh. Um. But that's where we are. We are in our culture. Like yeah. even even professing Christians, when you profess Christian things, they'll they'll say you're that's extreme. Like you're a Christian nationalist because you think that Christianity is the one true religion. <laughs> like, like get out of here, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but when we when we when we encounter those things, whether it's at home, it's in the neighborhood, or at school, or at work, we need to remember that Christ also bore the shame. Uh-huh. He went outside the the camp. We don't follow a savior that rode into Jerusalem on this white stallion with a sword and he just started lopping heads off. Like we follow a savior who rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Right. Yeah. And who was betrayed for the price of a slave. 30 pieces of silver. He was beaten and mocked and scourged and unjustly condemned, and he was crucified outside the gates. Um, he was accounted accursed. So when you experience shame, know that Jesus endured shame first. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um I remember a uh, long time ago, long time ago, I, I remember a friend of mine on Facebook posted one of those, uh, you know, one of those Facebook posts that just circulate. And I remember it said, I'm sick and tired of Christians being treated with disrespect by the world. It's time for us to let our voices be heard. And I just remember thinking, that's just a weird take. Right. <laughs> like Jesus is the son of God and he endured the shame of the cross. To think about Philippians chapter 2 and how he didn't he didn't um consider equality with God something to, to be grasped, but he emptied himself and he took on the form of a man, even the form of a servant and he endured death even you know he 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 endured death even death on a cross and it's like this like this downward right steps of jesus uh-huh. lowering himself to like the most shameful death imaginable right yeah and even, and even before he went to the cross you know regular in jesus preaching is telling people to count the cost mm. to be his disciple and an element of that he, he always said was that you have to be willing to take up your cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously after the fact that there was clarity on, on what that meant, but even before that, everybody knew what that meant. Even before he went, when he's right. calling his disciples to be willing to follow him, they have to not love their life, but lose it, be willing to count the cost and to take up their cross mm-hmm. and follow him. Yeah. Um, so to be willing to endure the shame. Yep. So this is a, a regular component of Christianity. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are ashamed of Christ, 
he'll be ashamed of you. He tells, he warns uh, his followers, if you are ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. So it, it just, it goes with the territory, right? This is why the, uh, the triumphalism and the preaching in, in the lot of Joel Osteen, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is so backwards. Yeah. It's completely backwards of, of all of this. It's all flipped on its head. Yeah. It's like an anti-gospel. I can't imagine Joel Osteen even given two seconds to verses 13 and 14. Right. <laughs> because it's so opposite yeah. of what uh, what he teaches. Right, yeah. So that's the first one, and it, it is a good encouragement for us. The first reason Christ himself bore the shame of the cross, so we can endure and persevere, because he, in, he persevered and he endured shame for us. Second reason you have here is that you worded it as, in verse 13 and 14, here we have no lasting city. Yeah. Here we have no lasting city. Let's took the language from the verse. Yeah. Yep. And you kind of introduced the section with a good illustration, I think, to emphasize uh, the reality of how uh, shameful it would be to be a Christian back then, to mm. be a Jew who had become a Christian. You had the this benediction that was prayed three times a day by Jews in the early church period, mm-hmm. uh, the benediction concerning heretics, yep, where Jews would call down curses upon Christians. Yeah, I, I found that to be uh, very, very interesting. Yeah, I was always like getting th- that background information. Yeah, there's um, there's debate over exactly when this was introduced. Um, some say it was introduced through. Um, even while Jesus was still alive, uh, because you've got like John chapter nine, the man born blind, he gets thrown out of the synagogue. They're throwing out anyone who confesses that Jesus is the Christ uh-huh. um, out of the synagogues. Uh, you see, you see how the the Jews respond in the book of Acts as the Christians are going in. Um, it's, but I. And it's directed. It's not directed at Christians in general. It's it's directed at Jews who convert to Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, some think that it it became an official part of synagogue worship after the destruction of Jerusalem, where the break becomes really right, uh, really prominent. Um, but anyway, it's called the Burkhat Hamanim, okay. the benediction uh, concerning heretics mm-hmm. or um separatist traitors right right um and it's uh it's there's a there's an early church writer who um who mentions it um this is uh pro- from Epiphanius of Salamis Ever heard of him before? Nope. I've never heard of him either. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's writing in the, between 315 and 403. He says, not only do the Jewish people have a hatred of the Nazarenes, that's the Christians, yeah. right? uh, they even stand up at dawn, at midday, and toward evening three times a day when they recite their prayers in the synagogues and curse and anathematize them. Three times a day they say, God curse the Nazarenes, for they harbor an extra grudge against them, if you please, because despite their Jewishness, they preach that Jesus is the Christ, the opposite of those who are still Jews, for they have not accepted Jesus. Hmm. And the Burkhat Hamanim says, for the apostates, 
Let there be no hope and uproot the kingdom of arrogance speedily and in our days. May the Nazarenes and the sectarians perish as in a moment. Let them be blotted out of the book of life and not be written together with the righteous. You are praised, O Lord, who subdues the arrogant. Um, I tried to find if this is still said uh, widely today. And what I found is that if uh, if it's not a part of the liturgy of the Sabbath synagogue worship. Mm-hmm. But if an Orthodox Jew goes to the synagogue weekly, like throughout the week, yeah, then it's part of the weekly okay. the weekly prayers. I got you. Uh, but if they if you only go on the Sabbath, you won't hear it. Mm. So I imagine that it's probably still said amongst like the Orthodox Jews in like Israel. Right. I would think. Right. Yeah, would, but, not, would not be surprised. But it's, uh, I mean, it's here's they're they're calling down curses on Jews who convert to Christianity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This would have been a, a <laughs> this would have been um, massive. This would have been catastrophic for these these Christians during the time that that Paul's writing this, right? Right. Uh, that they are being thrown out of their place of worship. And because of that, they're going to be ostracized from family and friends. Um, that's going to have repercussions for like economics. They're not going to be able to do business. Um, they're, I mean, they're they're going to be they're they're going to be out in this no man's land between the Jewish worship that they grew up with and paganism. Mm-hmm. And they're they're out here in this lonely place, right? Right. Yeah, and that's thir- verse thir- 13 begins, therefore, let us go outside the camp. Right. Let us go to him outside the camp and, and bear G- the reproach Jesus, he endured. Jesus went outside the camp to this unclean place, and now the apostle is saying, since Jesus did this, let us go to him also. Mm. Let us go outside the camp also. Um, again, to this place of shame and perceived uncleanness. Um, and even death, right, right. Um, and this, I mean, this is exactly what uh, this is exactly what Jesus told them that they were going to endure. Like, you're going to be hated by all men for my name's sake, right? right. Yeah. So we go outside of the city. And this is, we have no I, earthly city. And this this is what we have to do. Like you, to be a Christian means to go out to Christ. You can't stay. It, the city walls would have been this place of security. You're called to go outside the gates. You're you're called to go outside the city. Mm-hmm. You go outside where you're going to be exposed to attacks. You're going to be exposed to ridicule and shame. You, you're going to be exposed to death. But you're called to go out there. Yeah, and there's an obvious connection if you're just reading through this um, this book. It's going to draw you back to chapter eleven, mm-hmm. which speaks about Abraham. Yeah, who had no he was he was not looking for an earthly city, right? A right. Uh, a future a future city he had in mind, and we you elaborated on that in chapter yeah. eleven. But he's looking for this city whose founder and builder is God. It's a future eschat- eschatological city, mm-hmm. which we know because we have the whole Bible we see come to fruition at the in the new heavens and the new earth in Revelation, right? Where the dwelling of God is with man, and so in this intermediate period that we find ourselves in history, like Abraham, who once wandered, um, went out to a place 
based off of the promise, but he had no physical. There was there was no empire of of Abraham. Mm. Right, he didn't see any of it. Right, the the only piece of land he ever owned, he had to buy, and it was a burial plot for his wife. Yeah, yeah, and so now here we find ourselves in this similar situation mm. where we are aren't to be trusting in and hoping for. I mean, you could even call it like civilization, right? Mm-hmm. That we are to be okay with being ostracized in a way where we don't have we don't have like an earthly home right. um, among the inhabitants of this earth. Yeah, that we are we are the strangers yeah. and the foreigners, right? I mean, this doesn't mean that we literally go out and live in tents out in the you know the wildlife refuge. Mm-hmm. It means that we don't belong here. Like this is not our home. So that means that all of our security and our pursuits, um, our pleasures, um, our satisfactions, those can't be wrapped up in what's going on here on this earth. Like we can't, we can't, uh, our our entire outlook on the future can't be wrapped up in who's going to win the next presidential election because Uh, we have, we have no, we have no lasting city here. And this would have been big for the, you sound like a terrible Christian nationalist. Oh, I know. <laughs> Maybe. That's, Maybe. That's, you know, um, as you're preaching, that's exactly where my mind is went. It, is it? <laughs> it's, uh, I thought you were going to say I'd be, I was a terrible post-millennialist. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. Well, it depends on what flavor, right? That's it, right. Post-mill uh, reconstructionism, yeah. I don't see how it fits with anything in the New Testament. I, I I'm I mean I'm sure that they have their answers to it, but yeah, I I, yeah. I agree. But I mean, this to add to add urgency to this for for these believers is that within maybe a decade, maybe a decade, um, Jerusalem is going to be raised to the ground by the Romans, right? And the temple is going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. So if you if you reject Paul's warning here or his his exhortation to go out to Christ because we have no lasting city and you go back to Jerusalem, you go back to the temple and all of the sacrifices within maybe 10 years, um, it's all going to be gone. Right. Um, and you're, you're, all your hopes are going to be shattered. Um, right. And you'll find that uh, the, the Jews that live in Jerusalem they have no lasting city either. Mm. Their city's gone. And th- this brings us back to chapter 12, where it says that God's going to shake the heavens and the earth, and only those things which are unshakable will remain. Um, and so let us be grateful for a kingdom that can't be shaken. Right. Um, because Jerusalem's going to be shaken. Mm-hmm. And in a couple of hundred years, Rome is going to be shaken. And um all the empires and nations of the world are going to be shaken and and even the united states is going to be shaken and whatever you're putting your hope and your security in it's going to be shaken we need to go out to christ as strangers and exiles in this world because we don't have a lasting city here so when the city falls um it doesn't uh, it doesn't put us to to shame because we're still looking for our city and our city is uh, it's being built by God 
and it won't be shaken. Mm-hmm. So we can go we can go out to Christ and endure the shame because we know that our future is glory. Um, and I, I like the uh, every commentary I, I read pointed this out that there's a story in the Old Testament that that prefigures this, uh-huh. and it's it's found in Exodus thirty three. Um, in Exodus 32, of course, is the golden calf episode. Israel has rejected God, and they've, they've made this golden calf, and they worship it. Um, and so when Moses comes down, the entire, the entire camp is unclean it's, it, uh, because they've, they've rejected God. And so in chapter 33, we read that Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp. And... Um, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting, and everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Mm-hmm. We've got we've got this this story here in the Old Testament that I always just kind of, I mean, it's it's not um, it it never really was something that caught my attention. You got the story where Israel has rejected God; they've become collectively unclean. And so God moves outside the camp, and anyone that wants to go to him has to go outside the camp mm-hmm. to go to him. They, ha- they have to turn their back on the, the uncleanness, and they have to go out, and they have to go to the place of, of shame to right. go to God. But when you go out, <laughs> what are you going out to? You're going out to him. You're going out to God. That, that's what the author of Hebrews says. We are going out to him. Whatever you lose, whatever, you're, whatever you turn your back on and you're you have to leave behind is incomparable to what you're going out to. You're going out to right. God. You're going out to Jesus. Uh-huh. And so you can, you can endure all the shame and the rejection because well, what does that matter? I'm going out to God. Right. I'm going out to God. So I, what I gain is far surpassing whatever I lose. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We, uh, I mean, you just I've, think, I've, of, think about it, like just picture it. If there was a location that was outside of the security and comfort of your people in the place of shame. But you were told, hey, if you come out here to this tent, uh, you can have a meeting with God himself. <laughs> then you'd probably be like, well, it's not a big deal to endure the shame to leave yeah. and to go here to meet God. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is we, in our mind, don't... We, sometimes we don't view Jesus in that way. Right. Yeah, we, we, we don't... We want we want the respectability and the acceptance of the world because we we don't have um, we don't have a clear vision of who Christ is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like. I didn't have time to read this. I had to skip a few things. But Dennis Johnson in his commentary said, because of institutional Judaism's reputa- uh, repudiation of the Messiah, the sp- the spheres of the holy community and the polluted wasteland have been reversed. Those unwelcome in earthly Jerusalem's temple and expelled from synagogues have become heirs of God's unshakable kingdom and citizens of the city that is to come. When compared to the promise of being welcomed into the coming city that abides forever, to be expelled from a community that has turned its back on God's grace in Christ is no great loss. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. So the third reason then is that God is pleased by our continued sacrifice of praise, verses 15 through 16, which pretty much just says explicitly that. That's right. <laughs> right? That's pretty much, pretty much what it just uh-huh. outright says. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's the point, right? Sacrifice. That's the, that's the point of our, that's the point of our, uh, 
the points of the sermon, right? <laughs> right. So you can right, just right, see right, it right, right there in the text. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> um, but that's too easy. That's, that's too easy. That's, yeah, that's, la- that's it's laziness. Lazy. It's lazy. Yeah. Uh, so you had three. You mentioned three that were very very practical. Mm-hmm. Um, though, that, it's, though they're only for tribulation Jews. If right, you right. if you'll remember. <laughs> I believe you listed them as confessing his name publicly, uh-huh. helping one another, and continuing to gather together. Yeah, or or to uh, to not separate yourself not distance yourself from the from the community and i i think that again these these are not these are not just random like continue to do good right. uh, you know continue to share with those who have need it's in the context of of persecution uh-huh. it's it's in the context of they're coming for you what are you going to do well right. he, the these verses say that um we are to continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Mm-hmm. That, that uh, word for offer up is the same word that's used throughout the book to talk about the priestly sacrifice. Right. Jesus offers up himself. The high priest offers up these animal sacrifices. We offer up a sacrifice of, of praise. What is that? What is the sacrifice? And again, the apologetic nature is the Jews and the, the Romans are saying these Christians are have a like they have this stupid religion that doesn't have any kind of sacrifices. Mm-hmm. And the Christians themselves who are coming out of Judaism where there are animal sacrifices, they're probably thinking, what do we offer to God? Do we offer any sacrifices to him? And so it says we offer up a sacrifice of praise. Right. And this has a lot of Old Testament um, references. It's it's found in uh, Leviticus chapter 7. It's in Psalm 50, Psalm 107, Psalm 116. Uh, all of the Old Testament references um, translate this phrase as um, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Uh-huh. So it's in response to what God has done for you. You you give him in return a sacrifice of thanksgiving or a sacrifice of praise. And what are these? Mm-hmm. Well, the first one is, that is, I mean, it, it literally tells you what it is in verse 15. <laughs> we continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that can that confess his name uh-huh. um that acknowledge his name it's right. it's it's the word for confession um we confess him mm-hmm. you're being persecuted um all you have to do is renounce jesus and come back to the the temple and and uh everything will be good or offer up a pinch of incense to caesar and it'll all be good well, a Christian offers up a sacrifice of praise to God for all that God has done for us in Christ, for everything that we we see throughout the book. I mean, the apostle keeps saying, we have this, we have this, we have this, and it's all superior. In light of all this, how should we respond? Denying Christ? Right. Offering that pinch of incense to Caesar and saying, well, God will forgive me for, you know, he understands. Mm. We offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That's f- the fruit of lips that confess His name, and we do good. Don't, don't neglect. That's the same same phrase that's found over here in verse two. Don't neglect hospitality. Don't neglect to do good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that phrase ties us back into this. Like, continue to show love, um, and uh, share with those who. Um, share what you have, and the word share is is the word fellowship. It's koinonia. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's it's fellowship. So sharing food or clothing or whatever you know necessities, or just the actual act of fellowship, like the actual act of being with other Christians. Mm-hmm. Like there's shame and there's danger to to gathering together as Christians. What should you do? Stop going to church. He says, keep going, <laughs> keep keep fellowshipping. Keep doing good. Keep confessing His name, because with the, with such sacrifices, are pleasing to God. So, it, it's it's all in the context of persecution that that this is how Christians ought to live when the culture is hostile to them, and the culture thinks that this is stupid and it's shameful, and your your family is saying, "Why do you have to be so extreme? Do you have to go to church every week? Like, can't you like?" Can't you come hang out with us instead? Um, the apostle is is urging them, like, don't give up. Don't give up on on this mm-hmm. just so you can gain some kind of respectability um, or or security. Um, you're you're in, embrace the shame of being a Christian um, by doing these things. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so kind of reading between the lines then, we see that we are a new type of priesthood, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, he he uses priestly language here. Um, Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is is language that's found throughout the the New Testament. Um, We went to 1 Peter chapter 2, where he says that we are a priesthood. Uh-huh. And we're offering up continual sacrifices right. uh, to God through Christ. Um, you can think of Philippians, uh-huh. um, where Paul is. Uh, he talks about how the he's he's thanking the Philippians for sending a gift. Yes, because he's in prison, and so he needs to have people give him food and clothing and blankets and take care of his needs. Right. Um, he says that um, I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Mm-hmm. So he uses the same kind of right. uh, sacrificial language. Um, this ties into what he's what he's talking about um, at the end of Hebrews. Like these are the kind of sacrifices that are pleasing to God, to do good and to share what you have with those who are in need. Um, I think he talks about it in Romans. uh, I think it's maybe Romans 15. He talks about, um, he uses like priestly language for his Mm -hmm. own, his own ministry. Um, I don't remember exactly where it is, but it, I mean, oh yeah, here it is. Uh, He's to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So he even views himself as he's, he is doing the work of a priest by confessing Christ, sharing, sharing the gospel with the Gentiles Uh and they come in as an acceptable offering and sacrifice to God. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, he he just he transforms the language of the Old Testament and shows that Christ is now our great high priest and all of us together have become priests with him. Right. And we we offer through him acceptable sacrifices to God as we do as we obey him. Mm. Yeah. That's good. It's almost as if we have to 
demonstrate our faith through works. But right. I know that's right. I know that's not true. I know that's only for tribulation yeah. Jews. So, well, you know, Paul in Romans, which I think was written to Romans, mm-hmm. his, you know that non non Jews. Uh, <laughs> there are Jews. He's <laughs> did, did I know that that the book of Romans was written to Romans? Yeah. Yeah. I did. Yes, and he tells them to. <laughs> Have their lives be a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's all over the place. It is. Um, we we are now the true priesthood. Yeah. Uh, it's in it's in Revelation. Like he's made us a kingdom of priests to God. Yep. Yep. You got it. All right. Well, good stuff. So next time you said you know we already hinted at it a little bit uh, where we're going next. Um, I it it is one of the more controversial I think uh, passages. Obey, in the Bible, your, today. obey, obey your leaders, leaders and yeah. submit to them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as those who will have to give an account. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of it's a double edged sword. It is right. Yep. So high uh, high accountability, we'll mm-hmm. say, uh, to to leaders if right. they're going to have to give an account for their leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking forward to to that to seeing how you deal with that text and talking about it next week. <laughs> You and me both, Jay. You and me yeah. both. Yeah, that's right. All right, very good. Well, we'll uh, we'll be back next week. Hope you can uh, join us then as we continue on in the book of Hebrews. You'll want to come back for that one for sure because you want to see what old Giorgio has to say on it. <laughs> so if this has been beneficial to you, please like, subscribe, share, maybe write us a review. Of course, uh, pass it along to your friends. And hopefully this helps you to understand the book of Hebrews more, but ultimately to be a better Christian, better follower of Jesus. That's our hope. That's why we're called Conform to Christ, because we're hoping it helps you to be more and more conformed to His image. So we'll see you next time. Have a good week. Bye-bye.